I have never experienced that before. And at House of Pup, we always sort of love that, you know, like shock and awe a little bit, that little surprise, like a, a fun kind of form factor. What's awesome about it, too, is that it's not just for the targeted consumer. How many places are there? Parks, hotels, theaters, restaurants. This is The Dime. Dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields. With me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special duo. The House of Puff team, Christina Lopez-Aducci and Holly Hager. Ladies, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having us. Excited Happy to have you again. Yeah. I mean, listen, two time here and we're, we're joined by Holly. This is Holly's coming out party. Holly, welcome. Welcome to the coming out party. Thank you very much. The nice place to come out. I love it. And Kellen, I know that you have some questions for the ladies today, but before we dive in, I just want to ask ladies, I know Kellen maybe thinks you might have some West Coast loyalty, but if we had to choose an East Coast, West Coast loyalty, maybe more specifically where we currently reside. Ladies. I think that uh, that is a leading question, Brian. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do think that uh, there is significant loyalty on the East Coast, I take it. Yep. East Coasters all the way. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I will never not be a New Yorker no matter where I live. Yeah. But it's nice because you both have probably spent a lot of time learning about the cannabis industry from the West Coast. We'll give we'll give it to you, Kellen. We'll give you that. Right. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. <laughs> he's, re- he's reaching so hard. So yeah. I think it's really important that we give a quick synopsis, really what House of Puff was. And then I think it would be great, Christine, if you could take us back to like the origin of how you and Holly met and kind of how the brain trust was formed and how we kind of got started. Yeah. So House of Puff has been around since I really like to say 2019 or 2020 when Holly came on full time. But it all started. I was a late consumer to the to, to cannabis consumption. And Holly and I had both uh, backgrounds in the art. We had art businesses prior to this. And when I went to go consume for the first time, Obviously, I love the way it made me feel, but I didn't feel like the products were for me or marketed towards women like myself. Um, they were confusing, hard to use, and quite frankly, sort of ugly. Uh, so I decided to go through my Rolodex of artists that I had interviewed over the years uh, to come up with an MVP. So at the time, it was our beautiful one-hitter pipe, which is still our hero product to this day. Rolling papers, a beautiful candle that we made uh, with Joya out in Brooklyn. And it sold out pretty quickly. And so Holly and I had met at Art Basel years ago. She's a phenomenal writer. And so after after working with her um, at my magazine, uh, it was just such a, we formed such a beautiful friendship and working relationship. And I, you know, at the time, I guess I was putting some, my rolling tray up on Instagram. And this was right around the time where I was getting ready to sell the magazine. And so I was meeting with Holly. Holly sort of saw that I posted this on Instagram, didn't really know I was a cannabis consumer, and so we met and I was pitching the art magazine, but lo and behold, Holly was not interested in the art magazine. She was interested in what I was doing with House of Puff because we had never told each other about our cannabis consumption. And, and that's sort of where the love affair began. Holly, from your side, is that accurate? And there were, were there, <laughs> I mean, just, I just think these details are so, so critical, right? Because I think yeah. the important part to highlight is, is the stigma, right? It's like the un, unsureness if this is something to broach. And, and I think this is kind of the inspiration, what we're going to talk about today is like the whole development from 
product, accessory, education to now what we're going to launch and, and excited to dive in. So Holly, kind of take it from there and just share your side of kind of that first mission with, with Christina and then kind of the onboarding process. Sure. So let me just share the details of how we met. We were on a panel about feminist art uh, in the shadow of a 20-foot high neon orgasm, um, at, <laughs> which was kind of a fun way to meet. And we started talking and and right after that we for 2 years we collaborated very closely every month on promoting important but unrepresented um women and bipoc artists so when i saw christina post a rolling tray and at the time i had been using cannabis for a while under the new york medical program using it all the time, but I didn't tell anybody about it, certainly not people that I worked with, because I was really afraid of the stigma. And then I saw her post this rolling tray on her personal Instagram. So I became a House of Puff customer. And I knew that it was a small, at that time, it was more of a side hustle for her. But meanwhile, so I knew she was going to see that I had ordered. But meanwhile, she never said a word, mm-hmm. not a word. And so then later when I approached her about, you know, wanting to talk about House of Puff, because I knew she was selling the magazine to focus on it completely, it was just so bizarre that we had never talked about cannabis together. We'd had drinks, we'd done all these things, we'd worked together for two years, but that's how real the stigma is or was. So that's really what brought us together to to try and destigmatize and demystify cannabis. So in those uh, early days when the partnership was just forming, was it kind of like, hey, let's just build off of this rolling tray and kind of some of the ancillary items to support the industry? Or kind of was it in the initial conversation where you're like, hey, we do want to have some sort of like THC product in the end, but what's the path to that product? He kind of talked us through the, the evolution. Yeah, it was a very pragmatic approach on our part to start with accessories. Holly and I were very new to cannabis, right? So we knew the regulatory constraints about launching a THC product right off the bat. And we had been approached by producers in California and the West Coast. And we just felt with our design and our background that this was a natural fit to start with beautiful accessories. Everything that we, till this day, starts in the artist studio. Uh, and Holly really led the charge of of, of, you know, our, our from our supply chain to designing the product to working with artists hand in hand. And then lo and behold, you know, very quickly, we were up to 75, 80 SKUs. Uh, but all of the while, we had our eye on if we were, when we were going to enter the THC market, it had to be something pretty special. And it was really because of Holly's consumption preferences that led us to, okay, our first THC product is going to be this. And Holly, your preferences was that you're not a smoker, you didn't really like the edibles. Take us through what those preferences were. Yeah, I have a an autoimmune disease and it affects my lungs. So while often I, it also gives me chronic pain. So I use cannabis every day to combat chronic pain. I am not the kind of person who can get anything done, like serious work done high, just ain't going to happen for me. So I really, yeah, I'm I'm useless. You know, once my edible or or anything else hits at night, no more, no more work for me. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I was relying on topicals during the day and I started experimenting with every kind of sublingual tinctures, sprays, basically anything that, that would not affect my lungs, but that would give me the pain relief that I needed. But I'm also a lightweight. So I wanted something that I could really control the dosing on very easily. And I travel a lot and, and I'm also... I'm a woman of a certain age and I like to be pretty discreet about my consumption. I also, I could be in pain anywhere. So I don't want to be constrained by like, who's going to, you're not going to be at dinner and whip out a tincture and be like, that would just be so weird. Right. (laughs) Um, Like, I don't even want to carry that big bottle in my purse. So I really wanted something that I could have on the go that would be super discreet that that I could use anywhere in a movie theater, on the train, no matter where I was feeling pain. I, I love it. And I think that that perfectly articulates exactly like you're describing. And then we'll get into that product. But I want to stay kind of with the educational aspect, because I think that part is so underrated and so, so critically important, because the one thing that you guys do maybe better than anybody in the space is developing of the trust. The content there is so well done and is so powerful in its, in its influence on helping others just understand the intricacies of the complexity of the industry, but also allow for others that maybe are unsure, similar like you guys were, to kind of approach that, this person smokes weed, I smoke weed, I like weed, how how do I get into it? So the education aspect, that has been a fundamental focus, it seems like from day one, take us through that approach, and then we can get into the product, which is the fun part. So the educational aspect is that, was that an early one saying, hey, we're going to go forward, Holly, Christina, I want this to be part of, was it a give and take or was it one person leading pushed in the other? <laughs> it was all Holly. I This was right around the pandemic and a lot of the dispensaries and stores that were carrying us started to close. And we had to figure out how do we reach our consumer or our future consumers? And they were, everybody was at home. And so Holly came to me and said, I think we should launch a blog. And I'm like, we're a team of two right now. I mean, this is when we were just getting started. We don't have time to launch a blog. And so during the pandemic, you know, we took all of these SEO courses. We're great content marketers. We've always been really good writers. So Holly really had to convince me to do the blog. And so we started seeing a lot of traction ROI on the blog. And then Holly came back to me and goes, well, I think we should one up and I think we should launch a YouTube channel. And I was like, again, no budget for a fancy camera. Like, we don't have time to do this. And then it dawned on me, YouTube, the second largest, you know, search engine, everybody was watching YouTube, YouTube shorts. I mean, everybody was on their phones and, and on the computer. So we we launched our first video off of an iPhone, and it was a simple how to roll a joint. And you know, I want to remind everybody, we're all in the cannabis industry. We're all in our little bubble. There are so many mainstream consumers who still don't know the difference between CBD and CBN or the difference between, like, they don't even know what a terpene is, right? So sometimes I think we forget about basic education. And Holly's a former teacher, and she can speak to this more. She really just wanted to bring it back to the basics. And there were a lot of people, the legacy operators, who, of course, they all knew that. But we weren't, a, we, they're not, they weren't our target audience. Our target audience were women, anybody at home, the can of curious, you know, maybe they've, 
like me, you know, I've done it a few times, want to, you know, and also they want to see somebody like me. A lot of the how to roll joint videos at the time were, you know, bros in their mom's basement or Rolling Stone or High Times. And let's face it, they all had like crusty fingernails. And I'm like, I'm a woman. I'm a woman of color. I don't want to see that. I want to see somebody like me teaching me how to roll a joint because I'm not very good at it till this day. And so it quickly, within a year, I think now we're the most watched how to roll a joint video, or we definitely appear on the on the first, you know, the most watched. I'm the face of all of it, but I have to give credit where credit is due. It was all Holly's idea. <laughs> well, it might have been my idea, but Christina is the one who really executes. Uh, I'm I'm very comfortable behind the camera, not so comfortable on camera. So <laughs> really, we really make the perfect duo as far as that goes. I mean, I write and produce and edit. She she performs them, but it's also a big give and take. We talk through ideas. We All of the content is real back and forth between the two of us. But the one thing that Christina really hit well is that in order to demystify and destigmatize, you have to show cannabis in a completely different light. And we're now up to, we're closing in on 3.5 million views on our channel. So clearly there was a need for it. And frankly, like most of YouTube, most of our YouTube viewers are men. They're not women. We're getting more of them, but but most of YouTube's audience is male. So it's not just like these videos appeal to women. They appeal to everyone. They're, they're simple. They're educational. I mean, when I first joined House of Puff, I got my one hitter, my little pipe, and I spent a half an hour in my kitchen trying to figure out which end to smoke through until I finally had to call Christina and ask her to walk me through it. Because I I just had never used a one hitter. I'd use bongs, I'd use, you know, I'd smoke joints. And I'd been using cannabis on and off since college. So for, you know, many, many, many years. But I just didn't know because I was at the mercy of, you know, the guy and all that stuff. And and I think a lot of people are like that. I mean, your guys' YouTube channel has uh, created incredible traction. And so one thing that you have done really well is avoid like direct marketing within that YouTube channel. Has that always been the plan to just kind of really focus on education? And has that been more challenging as the views increase to not try to monetize it more with like direct promotions and stuff like that? Well, it's very frustrating, but when you get shut down, which we did once, you suddenly realize that in the current environment, you absolutely cannot monetize, but we do use it as a good referral channel and it has built up a lot of trust and it's expanding the market for us, right? It's creating new consumers who aren't afraid to, when they watch our videos, now they know not only how to roll a joint, they know what questions to ask when they go into a dispensary. I was terrified the first time I went into a dispensary. I mean, I'm a grown woman, but I still, I just felt so fish out of water when I was there. I think that's so important, right? It's such a powerful feeling. And there's probably so many others like you that are going to re-experience cannabis for the first time as more and more states come online. And that intimidation feeling is probably pretty common. And I would assume that someone seeing someone like yourself, Christina, on the screen goes, it's comforting for them, right? That's like, these questions are not silly, right? And there's someone there to answer them because, God, I mean, I ask YouTube all the time silly questions that I believe, and I'm like embarrassed to put them on there, but they're helpful to get those answers because it's it's so informative. And Holly, to go back to you, I was surprised to hear that more men are searching for those because I would have assumed women, but it makes a ton of sense. And then it makes me wonder even more is 
Are there certain videos that you've seen where there's a stronger female presence from an analytical standpoint than males? Or has it been kind of consistent from a male to female ratio? It's pretty consistent. We are gaining more more of a female following. Women are, are you know, less, they're harder to get into the whole cannabis thing because there is so much stigma for women. But, you know, we also have a lot of seniors. Mm-hmm. A lot of seniors who, you know, they they grew up with cannabis as this thing um, and maybe they enjoy it. But to this day, they're just still adjusting to the idea that it's legal and now they can experience it in a whole new way. Are there any videos that you thought would smash and didn't? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think our 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 gummy video did really well. People love that. I, I I think the can of butter was maybe not as successful. Yeah, we, we thought that would do better. Our product reviews haven't done as well as we yeah. hoped they would. But I, I think that probably has to do with it being, you know, they're largely, they're only in one state siloed market, the products. So that's, of course, that means that there's a smaller viewership for them. Yeah, it's it's a complicated battle right internally you're like oh this would be a fun product to review but then you you post it on youtube and maybe it doesn't deliver but then on the flip side i'm sure there's a few videos where you put them up and you're like maybe one of you is like i don't really know holly if this is it on the flip side it absolutely explodes christina did you have one of those where you're like i don't know if this topic's for me but it absolutely just exploded yeah we did one about cannabis like strains and i was like ah you know this might be a little because we really like to keep it high level and like sort of beginner and so you know i wasn't sure no it wasn't strains it was like the different types of like rosin versus shatter versus and like i'm i don't dab i don't know how to dab and i was like how many people are actually gonna and lo and behold, a lot of people, A, don't know the difference and B, are very interested into, you know, they've done the joints, they've done the vapes, they've done the edibles. Now they're ready to, I, I look at all like those, you know, hash, liquid diamonds, all that as like sort of the next level. Um, and I didn't think our audience was ready for that type of education, but apparently they were. I love it. So the reason I'm asking those questions is I want you guys to reveal the product we're coming out with. And I want to understand, was there any analytics behind kind of the influence or let's call it the the adjustments of the product? I'm assuming originally you had a product intention of mine, how exactly like you're describing, one that suits your personality, but understanding analytically how much you've kind of received from the market on what your viewers like and kind of what some of your, your, your readers were listening to. Did that influence at all any of the adjustments along the way of how the product kind of came to be? It wasn't so much analytics as it was anecdotal product testing because I I found a product that was similar to ours. Not it's not as clean, and it it didn't quite do all the tricks. But I found something similar, and every time I would pull it out of my bag, everybody, including people who were very anti cannabis, would say, "What's that? Can I have some?" Mm-hmm. And Christina, who's a diehard smoker, every time we'd be out, we'd be in a cab. She'd be like, do you have that? Could you give it to me? Could I have some? <laughs> on the train, on in a cab, at, you know, at the theater, you know, I was always like, do you got the stuff? <laughs> yeah. And so um, especially that that it really brought both men and women who just wouldn't ever smoke 
they were really down with it and really interested. And every time we gave, we let someone try it, they were like, oh, this is awesome. This is a game changer, including some people who are super legacy. Mm -hmm. We did that for about three years. So we felt like there was such good reception, no matter where we did that kind of ad hoc testing of, of if people liked it, that and and once we had actual samples of our prototype, everyone who tried it was really into it. Yeah. We also really liked the response when Hollywood bring it out. A lot of people, even people who have been consuming their entire lives, were sort of like, huh? What's this? I've never, I've never seen this. Other people, of course, like in other states, you know, there are similar products, but a lot, especially a lot of people in New York were like, I have never experienced that before. And at House of Puff, we always sort of love that, you know, like shock and awe a little bit, that little surprise, like a, a, a fun kind of form factor. So that also like contributed to like, okay, we're going to, if we find the right partner, we're going to do this. So uh, I don't know if we've explicitly communicated it yet, but could you educate our West Coast audience on what the actual product is? Yes, it Can is. Show it to them. Yes, yes, I'll please show do. It to you, and I will explain it. It is a pocket-sized oral THC spray, sublingual. It is comes in our social spritz, which is sort of based on you know when you have like a personality drink before you go out. Uh, so the social spritz is is two to one, so uh, two milligrams of THC, uh, one milligram of CBD. Um, and then our Serenity Spritz, which you can't, I don't know if you can see in the camera, is a beautiful pink that we've formulated. So I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a pink, you know, sublingual spray on the market. Um, that's one to one to one. So THC, CBN, and, and CBD. And the social, the... the social spritz is is minty. So it's like, you know, back in the day, like a banaca, uh, which is great. So like you get a little high and you have fresh breath, like there's nothing better than that. And then the Serenity Spritz is just a beautiful tropical, like luscious notes um, that just really sort of takes the edge off the day. What was the development phase like that for that? Because that is such a unique product that isn't in most markets. So like talk us through that whole journey, if you will. It was a long one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to do it for several years, but we talked to a lot of processors who it just didn't spark their, you know, their imagination. They were much more interested in much more traditional products like pre-rolls, which are are great. And we, and we certainly considered, but for one reason or another, we just didn't find the right partner. And we kept thinking about it and we kept refining sort of what we, what we thought we would want in a product. And then we met, um, Ayal from Ayal Vide from Lunilata, which is a New York processor, at our uh, annual Hamptons party that we throw just this past August. And we scheduled a lunch with him. And by the end of lunch, we had a handshake deal to produce this. He really, he got us. He knew how to produce it immediately, had ideas for how to produce it and to do it really cleanly. Um, much cleaner than the butane process spray that I had been using. So um, this one's this one's processed with ethanol, which made us really happy. And actually, we're going to move to to CO two processing with our next batch. So we we wanted it to be, you know, very very clean for your health because that's one of my big concerns since my health 
I use cannabis to manage my crappy health. So uh, that was a lot of it. Yeah. And that would be so challenging for you, right? To have this need and to create this product that kind of fits in this intersection that you've been kind of seeking all along. And then to deliver a product that just didn't have those characteristics just wouldn't be kind of the ultimate goal. So what has been the response when you show people, right? Is the first question out of their mouth, will I get high off this? The second question is, you know, can I ask them how, take us through those conversations. Because I think the shock and all, exactly like you said, Christina, is the perfect kind of response of understanding, like we're onto something or we're not. Yeah, most of the time it's, wow, that tastes delicious. B, how high am I going to get? And a lot of the times, you know, we're, we were out the other day and it was the middle of the day. People don't want to be blitzed out of their, most people don't, some people do. Uh, and it's, you know, that's why two to one milligrams, it, it's perfect. Um, and so we'll check in 30 minutes later and, you know, they're smiling ear to ear and it's, and it's, they'll sometimes ask for another spritz. Um, so to see people respond that way, you know, even people, especially people, you know, in, in like the older, the older demographic, you know, cause they're always a little nervous and like people like my mom and it's just great. Like I, I was out the other day and somebody asked, can you spritz my mocktail? And I was like, well, Absolutely. So the response has been, you know, we couldn't be more excited. I mean, again, we've kept this pretty under wraps. We've been working really hard on this for for a lot of years. So when when we ask people to Hollywood, like open your mouth and they don't know what's coming, um, it's 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 always a positive response. How exciting is it now to to have been on that journey for so long and to be ready to release, you know, the product and to know that is one that delivers on all the different assets that you want in to bring it to the market with the audience as probably craving the product that suits kind of the brand and everything behind it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, to enter into the adult use market in in the state of New York, our our state is really exciting. And we're really excited about filling a gap in the sector. I don't know many sublingual sprays out there in New York, I think maybe two or three. Um, so to offer our consumers uh, a subtle way to get, you know, to experience this product and enjoy their high in any social setting. I mean, that's what House of Puff stands for, right? So we don't really like to call ourselves a cannabis brand because that's not how we live our lives. Like when somebody calls me a canna mom, I'm like, no, I'm not a canna mom. I'm a mom who consumes cannabis. So this spray is sort of an ode to, you know, Lux consumption. Like we want this, you know, whether you're at a concert, whether you're at the park. So it's about living your life the way you live it and having a discrete product where you can enjoy your high anywhere. That to us is why we built House of Puff in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And the, the packaging and like how the whole display is aesthetically so pleasing. And so how much did your guys' art background influence that packaging? And and was it longer from a design perspective to come up with the packaging or the formulation? I will answer the packaging <laughs> and I'll let Holly take the formulation. We are lucky, very, very lucky that we have an incredible team of artists and creative directors. Of course, Holly and I had the final say on all of the packaging. And yes, um, our art backgrounds definitely inform our design decisions. But, you know, our, one of our senior advisors, Kyle Mahan, who's, you know, worked for F1 and Amex, you know, helped us with the packaging. Billy Richards uh, from Skyscraper Creative helped us with, you know, the naming and the feeling, you know, when you open it up, it's mimics like a Patron bottle. I don't, you know, 
if you ever got a Patron, it's wrapped in this beautiful tissue paper, right? Because packaging experience is very important to us. And so giving credit where credit is due, we really do have some fantastic, our CMO, Amy Dennison, we really do have some fantastic creative minds. Uh, But the packaging was just as important as the formulation because that's just what we've always done is is good, is a good packaging experience. Those, I think, minute details, I think, is what separates you from some of the peers out there, because I think if someone walks into a store, they can buy a product really easily, right, and just put it away. But then there's others like yours where they can open it up and have that full-blown experience where it just feels different. And those tiny kind of love details really come through. And I can imagine that people are going to be seeing it, unsure if it's exactly what they're seeing. And then once they recognize that it is that exact fit, the excitement that overcomes, because I think so many people who are going to expect experience cannabis again for that first time are immediately assuming I don't want to smoke. I don't want to eat edibles. When I go out, I'd like to feel a little lighter. And now here comes this product that fits that real need for that targeted consumer, men or women, myself included, who really would benefit from this product. Well, what's awesome about it too, is that it's not just for the targeted consumer. How many places are there? Parks, hotels, theaters, restaurants. You can't smoke there. You can't vape there. But you can use this anywhere. Yeah. And Kellen, to answer your question about the formulations, Holly has uh, cracked me up every time, you know, unbeknownst to us, the first time we did not know that the form, because, you know, we tried flavor on flavor on flavor to make this perfect. And after testing for about 20 minutes or so, we did not realize there was actual THC in it. And so I will let Holly tell the rest of the story. (laughs) Oh my God. I was trying to do like the wine tasting thing and just taste and then spit it out. But then I was actually washing it all around my mouth and absorbing more. So by about noon, I was beyond like stoned off my ass, frankly. (laughs) And, but we went and had a great lunch that day. It was oh. one of the delicious lunches I've ever had. Yeah. Imagine. Tell me much. So is there, I know this is early, but are there like future plans of expanding the portfolio giving this? Because the first thing that comes to mind is kind of Mr. Beast and Feastables and Logan Paul and Prime. I don't know how familiar you guys with are and I can expand on those, but like sure. the creator influencer trust platform and then building up the product. So is this kind of the the grand also opening of what's to become? I know we're early in the process, but I'm just curious to know strategically, is this kind of what the thought process is? Yeah, I mean, listen, we we have plans that, you know, you will all find out soon enough. But yeah, I mean, we're not just stopping at the spritzes. Um, you know, the feedback's already been incredible. We're launching in two days. Uh, so yeah, so we have a, a lot of things in the pipeline that will complement the spritz. And really what House of Puff stands for is, you know, the cultivation of Lux cannabis consumption. Is there any educational campaigns or any YouTube videos that we're going to use in order to parlay the release of the products to help others, let's say, explore this intersection of this new product category? Absolutely. Of course. We wouldn't be House of Puff if we didn't put out a video. I was just curious if we can get a couple of those details. <laughs> well, it won't be like any cannabis video you've ever seen. Let's put it that way. We will leave it at that. Ooh, I like that. So strategically, are you guys or are you ladies more focused on increasing product SKUs in New York or potentially going to another state to launch the spritz? Little column A, little column B? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
like we it. do we do have an exciting uh, partnership, which I don't think you know most people know about with Etain. As you know, they're going uh, wreck very soon, and they're opening up a gorgeous spot in White Plains. Um, and so you will be seeing some things you probably have never seen before at a dispensary involving the spritz, involving uh, a, a, an incredible video that we are producing um, for the shop and shop concept. So um, keep your eyes peeled. I love it. We're going to introduce a new segment of the show now called uh, whose partner or which partner am I? <laughs> <laughs> Who is more likely to text late at night or earlier in the morning about a new idea? That would be Christina. <laughs> that would be me. I call them my ideas. Who is more likely to want to do a video clip over again? Holly, absolutely. <laughs> Who is obsessed over analytics and comments for the performance of the content? Holly Joy Hager. <laughs> Don't be telling my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> Who is more likely to push the boundaries of the edges of the content or products in the future? Ooh, probably me. She's a real follower. Yeah. I'm a compliance nerd. She's a compliance nerd. What is one aspect of working with Christina Holly that we don't know about? She seems like she's so, you know, easy breezy. This woman is on point every minute of the day. It's it's difficult to keep up with her. <laughs> Christina, same question. Um, one thing that most people don't know, she is, wow, this is tough. I was going to say she is very thoughtful and compassionate and does not need the accolades from the outside world. Like there are things that she'll tell me months later that she did like spending time with, you know, old interns or, you know, helping paying somebody out of her own pocket because they need help and helping us with, you know, putting, you know, postcards together. She's so giving, um, but she doesn't shout it from the mountaintops like she should. Um, and she's probably one of the most giving people I know. So most people don't know that. You're going to make me all teary and stuff. <laughs> Three people, dead or alive, sprint session. Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. Oh, gosh. Okay. Neil deGrasse Tyson, because I always say him. You can't include each other. Gertrude Stein. Mm. I'd chill with her in Paris spritzing. That's a good one. And Michelle Obama. <laughs> oh, that'd be a fun one. Said that like with a question mark at the end. <laughs> Michelle Obama. There it is. There you go. That's Holly? a great one. Oh my God. I mean, there's there's so many artists and oh, I'm so bad at this. Uh, you gotta give me more notice on this kind of stuff. <laughs> What's the first person that came to mind? Yeah, not someone who I really would want to share a spritz with, to be honest. Um <laughs> <laughs> isn't that funny? Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it would be somebody like Helen Frankenthaler, who was an amazing female artist, one of the abstract expressionists. And and I would love to hear her tell stories. Um, Jackie O. Ooh, good one. Because be I'd like to talk gossip and fashion with her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, let me think of somebody else. Who else for the spritz? Stephen Colbert. 
Nerd that he is, I adore him. Yeah. I have a spritz with him. It's a nice, that's a nice trio. Steven, if you're listening, <laughs> call, call me. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most expensive lesson either of you have learned? Holly, do you want to go first? Oh, I know in, mine. In the company or in life? Life. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, this one's <laughs> easy for me. Most expensive lesson is believe someone when they tell you who they are the first time. Ooh. Really well Very said. Very good. Christina? I would say uh, mine is work-related and sort of going off of what Holly says. But, you know, if it smells like bad money, it's probably bad money. <laughs> what question do you wish more people asked you? Oh, gosh. You guys are like... These are really good questions. These are really good. Getting all deep and stuff. We need to spritz before this. I would say... We can pause and spritz. <laughs> I would say, you know, the one topic that I love to talk about is my mom. <laughs> I wish more people would ask me about my mom because I could talk about her forever. She's she's the idol in my life and somebody I look up to. And why the reason why I'm an entrepreneur, to be honest. And so I wish more people would ask me about her. And by the way, I could listen to her talk about her mom and her mom talk forever as well. Her mom is amazing. Shout out to Dr. Deb. If you can put maybe, another, maybe another YouTube channel. There you go. <laughs> I like it. You can put anything on a billboard, metaphorically speaking, to get a message to billions of people. Could be an image, a quote, a word, or something that inspired you. It's the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, I would say... Uh, it's a, a Spanish phrase, con ganas, like do it with pride, do it, just give it your all, go all in. And I wish more people would um, attack life con ganas. So, and mine would be, be kinder <laughs> to yourself that. and everyone else around you. There you go. All right. Let's do a quick prediction. Ladies, how do you foresee the evolution of consumer preferences impacting the cannabis industry, particularly at the realm of THC products growing and helping the trend of destigmatization? I feel like I'm on a game show. Yeah. <laughs> Could you run that bias one more time? How do you see the evolution of consumer preferences impacting the cannabis industry with a real focus on the destigmatization of it? I, I mean, I think that we're still in cannabis 2.0, partly because of prohibition, but as we move into cannabis 3.0, where brands really start to be brands and shopping experiences start to be more like mainstream, regular shopping experiences, there is so much to be done as far as incorporating cannabis into just regular life. Just like, like cannabis should eventually become just like wine. It should just be, it shouldn't, you know, you're not Cannabis is not what your life is all about. It's just a part of a life well lived. Yeah, I I love that. I, I agree wholeheartedly. The intersection of just culture, cannabis, art, music, just every facet of life. I will say, though, um, a, a prediction for me is high potency out, low potency in. I think that there is, you know, this this sort of thinking that High potency will get you higher. Um, and for sure, some people, yeah, definitely. Uh, but I do think that low potency products, especially when combined with cannabinoids um, and, and, and terpenes and a good form factor, um, I think could, you know, help a lot of people, including, you know, health issues, anxiety. Like for somebody like me, like I can't pop a 10 
five MG gummy because it'll just make me anxious. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a low doser and I used to be able to do that and my body's changing. And I think that, you know, we need to be more vocal about, it's not about the amount of THC, especially to bud tenders. Bud tenders are always like, well, how much THC is in it? And I think we need to rewrite that narrative. And I think once we do, we, it'll open up, right? Especially for people who are, you know, kind of curious or nervous or haven't consumed cannabis, they're not going to start with a 20 mg, you know, vape or, or gummy. They're going to, you know, so we can bring more people in through the low dosing message. I think, you know, that'll, that'll, that'll help demystify and destigmatize for sure. Love it. Kellen? I think that you're going to see kind of what happened to tobacco in the 90s kind of happened to cannabis here in the next decade, right? Where inherently lighting something on fire and inhaling it just isn't great for your long-term health, right? Um, and so most of America got that message in the 90s, right? We got rid of smoking. You saw that whole thing kind of happen. And so with form factors like the spritz, like beverages, like gummies, Right. This is where we're on that verge of cannabis 2.0 into cannabis 3.0, where as a consumer, when I want to kind of relax or alter my consciousness, typically from a mainstream perspective, I'm going into a normal retail store and buying something that I can drink or I can eat, right, like a pill or a beverage. And so as we start to deliver cannabis in those form factors, I think you're going to see like the American population and society start to decouple the image of cannabis, like the plant that you light on fire from the experience that is when you consume THC and, and these other active ingredients. What do you think, Brian? I think all those are spot on. And I think as the industry continues to grow, right, the consumer base is not that person that everyone thinks about, which is that long, grungy hair, exactly as Christina described, which I can see that perfectly now in my mind. It's 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 a wider audience. And that person maybe who is not interested in smoking because they don't like to smoke, but wants to kind of experience cannabis and is a little more hesitant. So I think these low dose products that are in these form factors that are not as intimidating to try, that are more comforting, can get people on track with understanding kind of the the medicinal benefits from an internal standpoint, but also the comfort level, which I think is sometimes the biggest hurdle for people to get started. And I think once people start adapting into their practice and recognize that it's not going to make them go shiver in the corner, they're going to love it because it, it, it's a game changer for so many people and it'll alter how you feel. And for some people like myself who don't really like drinking as much anymore because of the way it makes me feel, consuming cannabis has been that perfect kind of middle ground and having a product like that on the go where instead of having to drink a bunch of beers, I can just do a quick little spritz. Boom, game changer for me. There you go. There you go. So for those who want to find the product, they're interested in learning more and they want to watch your YouTube channel, where can they find you? Well, we are going live on February 1st. So we the first uh, few dispensaries will be Union Square Travel Agency, Herbal IQ, Gotham, uh, and then, of course, Etain um, opening by the end of February in White Plains. Of course, we will update everybody as more dispensaries come online. So you can follow us on Instagram uh, at the House of Puff. And then our YouTube channel is at home with House of Puff. We'll have a blog post that we'll be constantly updating with dispensaries that go live. So so we'll we'll be sending that out. And and yeah, we'd love to hear from your audience. And so, yeah, just shoot us a note and and tell us what you think. Awesome. We'll link it on the show notes. Congratulations again, guys. And thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the last few years, can you please take three minutes or less and leave us a quick review on Apple or Spotify? All reviews make a massive difference for us and help other people like you find this podcast. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.